Today we're going to talk about Philippians chapter 3. We talked about Philippians chapter 1, about how we can trust God in each season of our lives, where we've been before, where we are now, and where we're going. We talked last week about how we need the Holy Spirit. There's no way to do this life without the Holy Spirit. There's no way to do everything God's called us to do uh, without the Holy Spirit. John and I were driving in the car the other day, and... (laughs) I saw a bumper sticker, so we pulled as close as we could to read it because I couldn't make it out, but I knew it said something about Jesus, and so we're looking at it. (laughs) I'm like, what is this Jesus bumper sticker? And we got a little closer. Luke, if you have that other picture, and it said, are you following Jesus this close? (laughs) (laughs) And so (laughs) we were laughing about that, and we were like, well, maybe we should just let this guy know that we love Jesus so much. We could just back end him. Then he'd know, like, we're really following Jesus. He would really know then, you know, he's got a a friend in us, right? We didn't do that. um, But I thought the the bumper sticker was really funny. Are you following Jesus this close? And this morning, we're going to talk about following Jesus closely. How can we come in proximity to Jesus and follow him so closely? So we're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Let's pray. God, here we are, your kids. Here we are, your family. And God, we want to hear a word from you. God, we want to hear your heart. God, we want to hear what you're saying to us through your word. And so God, I pray that you would just soften each one of our hearts. Anything that would get in the way of us hearing from you, God, we ask that it would be gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. God, that you would open ears. Help us not to leave this place until we've met with you. We're here to hear from you. Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this Sunday morning that each one of us has set apart to be in your presence. And God, I pray that you would just be with each and every one of us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so here we are, and the Apostle Paul is is writing this letter to the church, uh, the Philippian church. And I'm, I'm guessing that all these churches that Paul wrote to were not perfect right? (laughs) Anytime we get a group of people together, I don't care if they're a group of firemen or soccer players or churches where there's people, there's stuff, right? There's stuff that goes on. And so he's writing to a group of people just because he was the apostle Paul doesn't mean his group of people were perfect, right? And so he's giving them instructions. And in in, uh, Philippians chapter three, we're going to take a look at verse seven. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Everything is junk compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is found through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. In verse 10, I want to know Christ. Verse 10 again, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 10 again, I want to know Christ. He's talking to this body of believers, and he says, no matter what happens, in chapter one, he says, no matter what happens, whatever happens, you can trust God. You need the Holy Spirit. He says, I want to know Christ. 
Compared to Christ Jesus, even the best that we have can't even come close. If Jesus were, or if every, if the most perfect person alive were here, Jesus would be on the ceiling. Do you know what I mean? In levels. It doesn't even come close. It doesn't even compare. There's nothing that compares with knowing Christ. Because Christ is freedom. The power of his resurrection. Going from uh, being just mere humans, going from death to life in his spirit. Everything that Paul had ever gained, he said, is garbage compared to knowing Christ. He's so much bigger than any other person. He's so much higher than any other thing. Everything is nothing compared to knowing him. I'm a big fan of Mother Teresa. (laughs) I really, really like her life and all that she did. But everything that she did points to Jesus. Everything that Mother Teresa did comes to about here (laughs) compared to God. I'm a big fan of Paul the Apostle. And everything that he did only amounts to like here, but God is so much better. I'm a big fan of Christine Kane and all of her preaching and all that she does, but everything that she, she has ever done or ever will do, every organization, every um, person she's rescued from uh, sex trafficking, it only amounts to this. Jesus is so much greater. Everything points to him. And Paul says that everything is garbage compared to him. No person I can know on this earth compares to him. No job I could ever have compares to him. I want to know Christ. In order to know Christ, I have to be in proximity to him. The Bible teaches us and tells us this letter written to us to describe who Jesus is. These words that that point us to who Jesus is say that he is the light of the world. Oh, I want to know him. He's not just a flashlight. He's the light of the entire world. I want to know Christ. He is the bread of life. He gives us the sustenance that we need. He gives us our daily sustenance. I want to know him. He's the shepherd that guides us through difficult situations, through easy situations. I want to know him. I don't want to be following way back there. I want to be close to the shepherd. I want to follow and know him. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. He's been my healer. He's been my peace. Be anxious for nothing. Oh, could you imagine anxious for nothing? Can you even imagine that? I mean, that's way up there. That's to know Christ. That's anxious for nothing. He is my peace. He's my friend. Oh, I want to know him like a friend. For all of us that say, oh, I don't have any friends. Oh, you got a friend. (laughs) You have a friend. And the Bible says he sticks closer than a brother. I I like to tell people he is my knight in shining armor. He has always come through. There's never been a day where he didn't arrive. There's never been an expectation that he didn't meet. He is my friend. He is my brother. And he's my father. All these things. I want to know him. The Bible calls him Abba Father. That you could call him Dad. Not just Father where uh, it's punitive and he's looking down at you and telling you a law, but he's your Dad. For those of us that may be looking for a dad, he's your dad. 
I want to know dad. I want to know this friend. He is our righteousness. He puts on me a robe of righteousness that I could never earn. All the things that I could ever do in this life amount to this, this level right here. But I put on the robe of Jesus Christ and I'm righteous because of him. I want to know him. The Bible says he is the vine and we are the branches, meaning he has the sustenance. He is the main thing and we're an offshoot of him and, and everything flows out of him and then I can have strength because it's flowing right out of him. He's the vine and I am the branches. I better be connected to him. I wanna know him. He is all powerful, all knowing. I wanna know someone who knows everything, right? If you're in a room full of people, you wanna know someone who knows something, right? He's all powerful. He's the top He is love, powerful love, not just mushy love, not just Valentine's Day card flower kind of chocolate love. He's love in action. He's the love that serves. He's the love that lays down his very life for people who don't deserve it. He's love, that that strong love. He is the way to heaven. I want to know the way to heaven. I want to know him. He is the truth. He embodies the word truth. I want to know him. He gives us spiritual life. Before Jesus, we didn't have spiritual life. He gives us physical life. He breathes the breath of life into us. We are alive today because Jesus formed us. He knew us in our mother's womb. He created us and he breathed life into us. He is enough. He is enough. This never is enough. Everything we can attain in our lives, even if we did our very best, tried our very hardest, had the best parents, the best life, the best job, the best money, the best everything, we could only amount to this. I want to know him. He's enough. Oh, more than enough. The Bible says he's abundance. He's more than enough. I want to know him. And this is what Paul says, Paul the apostle, Paul the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul the apostle, he was the guy, but he knew that even though he was the guy, even though he had attained so much, he had the best pedigree, he had, he had it, but he knew, I want to know Christ. He says, I want to identify with his death on the cross. I want to identify with his suffering. And in that I can identify with his power. I want to know Christ. And like our bumper sticker said, how are you going to know him if you're not close to him? How are we going to know this love, this truth, this way to heaven, this goodness, if we're not close to him? To know Christ, I have to be in proximity to him. Are we in proximity to Jesus? There's some things that keep us from being in proximity to Jesus that I want to touch on today. There are three kind of big things. I brought this out to kind of represent Jesus. <laughs> it's a cross that was in the closet. I'm sure it's very important. <laughs> but this is going to represent Jesus. And we're going to talk about how I can be in proximity to Jesus. How can I be in proximity to this thing that is above everything else? There are some things that we as Christians that get in the way. See, I think that Christianity 
for so many of us for so long has been an individual thing. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? But it's also this other thing. It's a team sport. Because the Bible says there's two great commandments, to love God and equally important to love other people. So how can we love other people if we're not around other people? I think that it's more like football. You could practice football at home all by yourself for a long, long time, but you're only going to get so far. How much can you pass the football to yourself? And I'm no football expert, but I'm guessing that I'm not going to get good at tackling without another person around. I'm not going to get good at throwing to myself. I think Christianity is like that. It's personal. Oh man, because that football player, they've got to be in shape and eat the right food and do all that stuff on their own, but they also have to be together. So we as Christians, we as the church, God designed us to be in, from the very beginning, every single one of us was born to a mother. God designed it that we would instantly have a connection to someone in this world. Not one of us is alone. Now, it might not have been the best mother. It might not have been the best situation, but you're automatically connected to someone. He put us in families automatically. He put us in, then he designed this thing called the church, the body of Christ, so that we would be together. And he designed us in countries and languages and all these different ways to group us together. Would you just get together? And I think that so many times we think of Christianity as a, that's for the very end. Don't give away my point. That's for the, let's go right back to, <laughs> that's the big ending. <laughs> Things funny. Uh, <laughs> I want to know Christ. Many of us would say that we would echo that. I want to know Christ. And then we have this little clause and I've heard it so many times. And like Paul, we have that yearning. I want to know Christ, but not his family. I am a follower of Jesus, but I'm not part of the church. I want to know Jesus, the vine, the truth. And he says, if you want to know me, sit next to my kids. Because just like I saw in Kirsten a little piece of Jesus. I saw in Tom worshiping a little piece of Jesus. We see in each other the characteristics of God because every single one of us are different. Every single one of us are made in the likeness of God. I am an image bearer of Jesus, but so is Bob. I gotta be around Bob because I'm gonna see characteristics of God in Bob that, aren't, that I'm not gonna see in myself. Just like if you stood my brother and I next to each other, you would see pieces of my mom and pieces of my dad and all mixed together and you'd be able to point it out. When we all get together, we can see pieces of God. I can see Jesus in your kindness. We spur one another on through love and good deeds and being in proximity with each other. To be close to Jesus, we read the Bible, we pray, we get in his presence, but also to be close to Jesus, we get together. Because I could read book after book after book about kindness. I could have all the quips and all the quotes and I could tell you all about kindness until I do it. You can do it in the world, but, but God designed the church. Not, not by mistake. And I bet that the church in Philippi, the church in Corinth, the church, that all these churches that Paul wrote to, they weren't any better than us. Because <laughs> we're all children of God. 
Many times in the Bible, there were stories that help people see things a little bit clearer. And this is a really kind of light and funny story, but it hits home. I'm gonna need a little interaction again. We're gonna pretend, we're gonna have a story, and I volunteered myself to be the villain in the story, so no worries about that. I'm gonna be the villain in the story, but we need a character, and we need to pretend that John had another brother besides Chris, and that brother was named, anybody have a name? Stu. Stu! Stu was a great guy. Dee, congratulations on Stu. He's already 30 years old. And Stu is part of this great group of people. And every Tuesday, they have Taco Tuesday. And they get together with their group of friends. And they've been getting together forever. They do stuff together. No matter what, they carve out of their schedule. Tuesday is Taco Day. They always get together. Wouldn't you love that? I, I, I volunteer for Taco Tuesday. So they always get together for Taco Tuesday, but it was so much fun that they started playing soccer together, hanging out together, doing stuff together. And this group grew and grew and grew. One day a girl came to Taco Tuesday that Stu just thought was wonderful, and her name was... Brenda, Stu, notice Brenda from across the room. And before you knew it, the whole group was in a church for a wedding. And Brenda and Stu get married. They're together all the time with this group of people, and they have two wonderful kids, Stu and Brenda. Um, you know, they're, they're part of this group, and they have two kids, and they name their kids Billy and Mike. They've got these two great kids, Billy and Mike, and they're part of this great group of friends. But one day, Brenda noticed on Taco Tuesday that Jill was hogging all the tacos. <laughs> she just really wouldn't share enough. She made sure she had all the ones she wanted before anyone, and her kids, and... Uh, Brenda's kids were not getting the tacos that they needed because Jill was just really hungry. And then she heard Jill talking about how we shouldn't have meat tacos anymore, that they should be vegetarian tacos. And she was talking about how bad meat was and beans are really more healthy for you and why are you eating meat tacos and you really shouldn't, ba 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 ba. And Brenda is so offended by Jill. Jill is hurting her kids. She's talking about things that I don't believe in. We are a meat family. <laughs> <laughs> and so Brenda says to Stu, she says, Stu, you know what? Let's stop hanging out so much with this group of people. Let's just limit it to Tuesdays. Let's just go on Tuesdays for tacos. Let's stop all the extra stuff. And her husband says, sure. Like, I understand a little space. That's fine. We'll just go to Taco Tuesday and nothing else, and we'll be fine. We're still connected with our group of friends. No big deal. Then Stu noticed that the friend's pictures were off the wall. She had taken down some of the pictures and he thought, oh, okay, well, that's, that's whatever, just no big deal. And then he noticed that Brenda had taken Jill off as the emergency contact for the kids at school. Why? Hmm, yeah, Jill, <laughs> hogging all the tacos. <laughs> and then one day, uh, Brenda goes to Stu, you know what, Stu, let's not have the kids go to Taco Tuesday anymore. I don't want them around Jill. Because you know what? I heard about what she did in her past. I know about Jill's past. And she's kind of mean now. She's probably going to be mean forever. Let's stay away from her. Let's, you and I go, but let's not, let's not make our kids go. We don't want her, you know, around somebody that's difficult. And so her husband says, okay, all right. And before you know it, uh, Brenda hears about a cooking class, but it has to, happens to be on Tuesday nights. And she thinks, oh, well, Tuesday nights, I might as well. I'll go to this cooking class. It's kind of similar to tacos. I mean, it's fulfilling the same need in my life. It's 
get food. <laughs> it's good. It's not tacos, but you know, it's Tuesday night. Everyone will understand. And before you know it, years go by and both Brenda, Stu, and their wonderful children have not been with this group of friends for a long, long time. One day the kids are older and Stu says, you know what, Brenda, I'm going to take the kids over to Taco Tuesday. Could you believe they're still doing it? They're still, after all these years have gone by, they're still doing it. And they bring the kids to Taco Tuesday. And this is why we made it our family day. So they notice D. And the kids say, oh, my grandmother's here. Look at that. I didn't realize we had so much in common. I can see parts of me and my grandmother. We have the same facial features. Grandma laughs at those kind of jokes too. Grandma likes photography too. What? And they start to see themselves in their family. And they didn't realize it. And the kids are all excited. And they come home and they tell mom, Mom, we went to Taco Tuesday. And we just love grandma. And we just love all that she's done. They're our family. We want to be around them. They smile like me. They have interests like me. And that's when it hits them that they should have been at Taco Tuesday all along. I know that's a funny, funny story. But that's just a picture of us in the church. It's a picture of so many of us in the church. This church is not perfect. Neither is, if I had a, a directory of every church, I would read their names. Not perfect, not perfect, not perfect, not perfect, not perfect. You want to be close to Jesus? Be close to his people. That's a word from the Lord. You don't hear that every day, do you? That's not something that people are preaching. You want to be close to Jesus? Be close to the people in this room. Ouch. Ouch. So many of us find excuses, reasons why that we aren't around the body of believers. I want to know Christ, but I don't want to know his family. Another big one is um, staying on the sidelines. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus so bad. I know, I know him but we want to stay on the sidelines of Christianity. We want to watch everybody else work out their salvation with fear and troubling, trembling. We want to watch everybody else walk through the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace, but we don't want to be a part of it. We're hands off. My son, Ben, plays soccer, and we'll go and sit on the sidelines of soccer, and we got our folding chairs, and if it's a really good day, I'll have an iced coffee, and I'm sitting there on the sidelines, and I'm watching all these 12-year-olds run around kicking a soccer ball, and it's very easy for the parents to yell out, run faster, go get that ball, <laughs> come on, <laughs> why didn't you get that? <laughs> It's very easy from the sidelines to pick out what's wrong and to see the big picture, isn't it? It's very easy from the sidelines to, to say all these things. And then those moments happen when the kids run right by you and they're right up front, right close to you. And you're like, oh man, they're sweaty. Oh wow, that's a far way to run. The field's bigger than I thought, you know? So we as Christians, sometimes we stand on the sidelines of all that God is, is doing. And we stand over here and we run faster. Do kids church better? Why is the nursery like that? <laughs> right? Until one of them gets close enough to us and we're like, whoa, they're working hard. We stand on the sidelines for a couple of reasons. We stand on the sidelines because we might think God is so big. He's so good. And I'm so unworthy that I can't be part of the story that God's unfolding. 
That's not true. (laughs) Because remember, he puts on you the robe of righteousness. There's no one ever ready (laughs) to minister. There's no one ever completely ready to teach, to preach, to do sound booth, to do, there's no one ever completely ready. God says, take on my robe of righteousness. I've gifted you each with different things. And the Bible's full of time saying, if you're not doing your part, there's something missing. And the story of God that's unfolding in Clinton, New York, needs you. And if we think that God is so big and I'm so small, we have to, it's like a teeter-totter. We have to be balanced and realize God can use us. God is so big, but he's using us. Not that we're ever equal to God, but to come up to that balance of that we can be used. And then the second one, it's either God's too big and I can't help, or the second one is I've been hurt too many times and I'm not gonna help again. And so what happens in those moments is we stand on the sidelines of church and this is exactly what we do. We say, technically I'm here. I'm here, but we're not really here. We're out the door. We have one foot in the church, but the rest of us is out the door. We're technically sitting here, but we haven't bought in to whatever it is that God's doing. I want to know Christ. I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection, but by myself. I want to share in your sufferings, but not with these people. Paul's writing to the church, the Philippian church. He says, I want to know Christ. And that church wasn't perfect. But to know him, we have to know each other. To know him, we have to step into the story. This is the amazing, like the most exciting part. You're part of the story. Together, all of us, from Heather to Micah to Cody to we're part of it. There's something God wants to do. There's something that God is doing. And if we step out and we just technically sit in the church, but we're not part of what God is doing, then we aren't really hearing for, we don't know Christ. He's doing something. He's on the move. But we stay way on the sidelines and we see this light of the world. We see this bread of life that says, I have everything you've ever needed and it's right here. And if you would just come close to, to me, I will give you everything that you need. And so here's Jesus. And what we do is we look at Jesus and we say, I want to know you, but I'm going to feed myself. And God offers the bread of life and the bread of life is sitting way up there. And you say, I'm good with the crumbs. The light of the world is there and you are at the back corner. Say, I can still see the light, kind of. I still see you, Jesus. Jesus wants us to be in proximity to him. And by no means am I saying it's the altar that's right here. I'm saying it's those moments with Jesus where he heals those hurts so that we can be part of what he's doing. It's those moments where he feeds us from the bread of life. And he says, you are good enough to be part of this body. He gives you everything you need to live life and live it his way. He says in 2 Peter, I'll give you everything you need. And so we are without excuse to be part of the body of Christ. If you want to know Christ, you got to know his family. 
You're gonna see characteristics in other people. They're gonna point to Jesus. You're gonna get to work out your salvation when you're offended. You're gonna get to work out your salvation when someone's mean to you, mean to your kids, mean to you again and again and again and again. You get to work that out. (laughs) It's on purpose. And, And he wants you to be around his people and he wants you to be part of it. He's going to take a group of shepherds to announce the coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to take a group of us to proclaim Jesus to the Mohawk Valley. But it can't be John and I. It can't just be John and I and Bob and Amanda. It has to be every single one of us working together. It's glorious. It's impossible. It is impossible unless we have the mind of Christ. So we have to do our, like a football team, we have to do our part. We need to be reading. Imagine if this entire church, if none of us prayed. Imagine if this entire church, if none of us read their Bible, we would be a mess. We would not even be able to sit next to each other in the same area as each other. We'd be at odds, right? We have to be reading the Bible. We have to be uh, being healthy like that football player at home so that when we come together, we can do great things for God. I want to know Christ, to know his family, to be part of the story. And lastly, this other thing gets in the way of us being close to Christ. And that's when we want to be glorified. Luke, if you could put that circle picture up. We've got the guy with his eyes down here. He's the one that wants to know Jesus, but he won't be part of the family. You've got the girl on the side who's looking in. She's on the sidelines, but she doesn't really want to be part of the story. And then you have the person on top who says, I want to know Christ, but we've forgotten that we, no matter how much we attain, we're here and he's there. And those are the people that want to give, that want to help, but they want to be recognized for it. I want to give, but make sure my picture's attached. I want to give, but make sure my name's attached to it. Make sure everybody recognizes that I've done good. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus was to serve in obscurity. He was washing feet. He was humble. And with us, we we switch that. We say, I'm going to serve Jesus, but make sure everybody knows it. Make sure I'm elevated. We want to know that we're, we're about his name and not our name. Jesus died on a hill that he created for people who kept ignoring him. (laughs) And we get mad at each other over silly things, don't we? We want to be like Jesus. We want to die for people. Die, not literally, but die in servanthood. We want to be those people that serve when nobody sees us. We want to be those people that serve even though we're offended, serve even though things have happened to us, serve even though we've been hurt. To serve like Jesus. And the verse that Paul gives us is, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. When you serve and nobody notices, you're a lot like Jesus. If you're never recognized, for who you really are, you're a lot like Jesus. We heard a sermon the other day, John and I on our our drive somewhere, and um, he was talking about Peter in the boat. And when Jesus calls out to him and, well, Peter's in the boat, he sees Jesus walking on water and he volunteers to get out and walk on water, right? Jesus didn't draft him. (laughs) He didn't say of all the disciples, hey, Peter, I pick you to come out of the boat. Peter says, 
Lord, I'll go. And he says, come out onto the water. Many of us are waiting for Jesus to draft us and say, okay, uh, John and Jill have completely noticed that you are ready. Let's do ministry. Let's, well, I'm going to give you a title and an office and a crown. And That's not what happened with Peter, is it? Peter volunteered. There's some people in here that need to volunteer for stuff. But you have to volunteer for stuff not to be recognized. You don't volunteer to be on top. You volunteer to be on the cleaning team. You volunteer to do the, the little things and let God raise you up. So to be part of the story doesn't mean you get to be part of the story and, and, and be in the, for, the forefront. He says, no, it starts here and it works and it changes and it's God's doing and God's changing and God's timing. We don't glorify ourselves. There's a, a few times in the Bible where it says the same scripture in different words, but it says, the eyes of the Lord search the earth for one that is completely his. He wants to make them strong. The eyes of the Lord search the earth for one that's completely serving him. He says, I want to make them strong. <clears throat> the Bible says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Call to me and I will answer me. Cast your cares on me, I care for you. Seek me and you will find me. Ask, seek, knock. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. I want to know you, Jesus. So this whole message is twofold. You've heard this message before. To know Jesus is to read your Bible, is to listen to him all day long and to pray. That's to know Jesus. You have to read this book a hundred million times before you die. You have to read it today. Church doesn't count as a check mark for reading your Bible today. You have to get in this personally. You gotta know this thing. This is, this is gonna describe who God has been, who he is, what he's going to do. Every single thing has come true. This book is life. This is your bread. This is your food. We have to know this. And we have to spend time in prayer, communing with God and him talking to us. I want to know Christ. To know Christ, you have to read this book. There's not a second book. This one. It's not all the extra books. It's this one. You got to read this one. If you're doing a devotional book, great. But read this one first. There's a lot of other really good books, but this one. Read this one. I want to know Christ. Read the Bible and pray. Pray. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Pray. Okay. And get with the family of God. Get into the story. Make it not about yourself. Make it about Jesus' name and not about our name. Christianity is a team sport. For years, I always thought about it. it was how good can I get to know God? How good can I read my Bible? How many checks can I get on my Bible reading? How much prayer can I do? And then we've come to realize that the second is just as important to know each other. The Bible says they'll know us by our love for them. No, our love for each other. This is a really hard one, you guys because it's very easy to stand on the sidelines and watch Ben run and get a ball. It would be humiliating for me to get out there with 12-year-olds. <laughs> but see, this is what Jesus is asking you to do. It looks humiliating at first. 
We mess up, don't we? If I were to get out on that soccer field, I'd be a sweaty mess. If you get up and start being part of the story of God, you might be a sweaty mess, but get in the story. You want to know Jesus? There's room on the cleaning team. (laughs) You want to know Jesus? There's room all over the place. This is the first step. The second step would be going and serving our community, right? But if we can't serve each other here, how can we serve people there? This isn't a ploy to get more cleaners, although we could use them. This isn't a ploy to get more people in kids' church. This is a ploy to get your salvation worked out before God, to remind you that that one foot in the door is not enough. I want to know Christ. And so because I want to know Christ, I want to know you. Because I want to know Christ, I want to serve you. So now we can put up my big shebang, the big questions at the end. (laughs) Am I avoiding the family of God? Yikes. (laughs) Am I avoiding the family of God? Have I slowly and justifiably in my own mind stopped going to Taco Tuesday? Am I avoiding the family of God? Am I standing on the sidelines? Maybe I'm judging. Maybe I'm cheering them on. Maybe I'm like, great job in the nursery. Woohoo! That was your, I did my time. Let's be part of the story that God's unfolding, the move that God wants to have happen. And lastly, am I more concerned about my name or his? And if I'm concerned about his name, it doesn't matter what I'm doing to serve but if I'm concerned about my name, then I better be on top and I better start in the leadership. <laughs> to know Jesus, you have to participate. You have to know his family and you can't be the superstar. Philippians 3, 7. But whatever were gains to me now, I consider them lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, to share in the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him even unto death on a cross on a hill he created. I added the hill he created, obviously. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, we need you because it's impossible to get along with people without your grace and without your mercy and without your example. It's impossible to get into a group of people and, and to conform to a group to do something. It's impossible without your Holy Spirit. It's impossible unless I've spent time with you. 
So God, we need your Holy Spirit to rest on every man, every woman, every child, every teenager. We need your spirit. God, if you truly want us to be together, then God, we want to be all in. We don't want to be on the sidelines looking in. There's not one person here that should be left out. There's not one person that should be here just to technically say they were here. But God, we want to be a unit of people, a a, a unit that's able to be mobilized, God, in your army to do something great. God, help us not to be our own superstars. Help us not to be our own little silo that does our own little thing. God, help us to come together to feast on who you are. Because God, you promised to give us everything that we need to live life and to live it your way. I didn't design the church. God, you designed the church. You designed that we couldn't do this alone. You designed this to be a team effort. And so God, if this is truly going to be a team effort, we need each other and we need you. So God, I pray that each one of us would commit in our own hearts to knowing you, to knowing you through your word. God, I pray that it would burn on every heart to read the Bible. I pray that none of us in this room would go to bed tonight without having opened your word. God, I pray that none of us would go to bed tonight without spending time praying. But God, I pray that for this week, I pray that for this Monday and this Tuesday and this Wednesday, God, burn on our hearts to be with you. And God, I pray the second part of that, just as important, help us to be committed to one another. Help us to get into the story of what you're doing. God, we know you're moving in Utica. We know you're moving in Clinton. We know you're moving. You're looking, your eyes are searching. What church can I use? What group of people loves each other enough to be an example of you? Help it to be us, Lord. Again, God, we look at this, we know it's impossible. But through you, all things are possible. So God, I pray that our hearts would meld together for your purpose. Give us hearts to serve and to love. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your example. Thank you for Paul's example. Thank you for Mother Teresa's example. Thank you for Christine Kane's example. Thank you for Paul uh, the apostle and all that he did. Now it's our turn, God. Now it's our turn to be an example to a dying world. And we know who we are. We know our pastor's not perfect. We know his family's not perfect. We know the worship team's not perfect. We know our kids' staff isn't perfect. We know our youth group isn't perfect. We know our ushers aren't perfect, but we serve a perfect God who's transforming our lives. And if we continue to bow before you, if we continue to seek your face, if we continue to put ourselves in a place where you can change us and mold us and make us into who you want us to be, then we can change the world. So God, our eyes shift from ourselves onto you and we ask that you would do a mighty work in this church. God, we dedicate Resurrection Assembly of God to you once again. We dedicate ourselves to you once again. We want to know you. We want to know you. You are enough, and you are more than we ever needed. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that your word is so different than the, than, than the things of this world. Everything else goes different ways, but God, your word is so different. Your way is so different. It's above our way. We would have never planned this, but you did. And so we're thankful and grateful to be a part of it. God, we give you all the glory for who you are. Help us to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen and amen. God bless you. I pray that uh, this week that you would seek the face of God and you would come back next week ready to participate in what God has.